You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Knowing God, Part 3. Enjoy. That's what we've been talking about, knowing God, the last couple weeks at Highway Church. Knowing God, personally tasting Him every day of your life. Knowing how much He loves you beyond the shadow of a doubt and experiencing the results of that love every day. Knowing about God is not going to help you. Knowing about God is not going to transform your life. Knowing God will. Big difference. Big difference. A real daily you talking to him, him talking to you, you, you putting your faith in his promises, a real relationship, not religion, a relationship, a real relationship with God will transform you from the inside out. To be in relationship with God is to be transformed, to be changed. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. There's a transformation that's priceless. The price that was paid was Jesus. To be in relationship with God is to change and to grow, to get stronger, to experience more love, more joy, more peace, more provision. Romans chapter 12. This is relationship with God. To know him is to be transformed. Now this actually is written to people who've already put their faith in Christ, to believers who were living in Rome at the time. So the Apostle Paul is writing to believers and he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, right here, right? A living sacrifice, holy acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. What does he mean by that? When you give something to someone, in the Old Testament, they would lay a sacrifice on the altar, and they would completely surrender control of that. It, it no longer belonged to them. It was God's. Paul's encouraging us to do the same, with our, to give our whole person to God. In fact, he says in another place that we were bought with a price and that our body is not our own. That's a revelation, isn't it? I thought this was my body. No, it would be mine if I made it, if I designed it, and I, I had the power to produce and create it and came up with it, but I didn't. Right? And we didn't either. Man didn't create himself. That's why man is so confused. He's trying to understand himself by studying himself. <laughs> that's a dead end. You'll get more confused. The more you study yourself, the more confused you'll get. Either depressed or arrogant, one of the two, or both. <laughs> yeah. We need to study the one who made us to understand ourselves. So as I beseech you, give your whole self to God. Verse 2, and do not be conformed. Now what does that word mean? I like it. I, I, I looked up the definition but it's behavior that's determined by the culture around you. <laughs> I like that. So the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, right? Every, the word is inspired by the Holy Spirit. He's saying don't let the, the culture around you determine how you behave. Okay. This is good. It's relationship with God, right? Another way of thinking of conformed is don't let the external pressure around you cause you to change. Okay? Don't be conformed. Don't let what man says cause you to behave differently. Okay? The, what, what should we do? But be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. That's what I needed to do. My mind was a mess growing up. 
I needed to, my mind to be changed. I needed to think differently if I was going to experience Christ, if I was going to have a real relationship. The only way that could have happened was by the Holy Spirit and reading the Bible. And I started in the book of John, and I couldn't get enough. I'd read it and read it and, and, read, and read the Gospels and Acts and Old Testament. New. I'd just read as much as I could read, and my thinking began to change. I was being transformed. Before that, I was conformed. Okay? The defini- here's some definitions of transform. A thorough, thorough, dramatic change. A thorough, dramatic change in the form, appearance, and character of. I like that. It is change, to change, to alter, to convert, to metamorphose, to transfigure, to revolutionize, to overhaul, to remodel, to reshape, to redo, to reconstruct, to rebuild, to reorganize, to rearrange, to rework, to renew, to revamp, to remake, to retool, transform. So transform, this Greek word, metamorpho, I think is how you say it. It's the word where we, we get our word metamorphos. And one of the best illustrations I know is the process that a caterpillar goes through to become a butterfly, Right? That's what God is talking about here, that we are transformed from the inside out by the renewing of our mind. And look what happens as you begin to think like God thinks, as you begin to put his word into your mind, as you begin to learn his promises, as you begin to learn his nature, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we know God's will is what? What's it say right there? First adjective? It's good. Right? Is sickness good? No. Of course not. Is sickness God's will? Why not? Because God's will is? Isn't that simple? How did that get messed up? Right? So God's will is good. Sickness is bad. Sickness is not God's will. See how simple it is? Very simple. It's good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect, the will of God. You'll find that the will of man and the will of God are very different. We want to know the will of the one who made us, not the will of the people around us. Very different. Because he's pure love. His will will transform us. The will of man will try and conform us. Okay? So we want to study the will of God, the nature of God, and we learned last week that nature was perfectly revealed to us in Jesus. Right? And we can read them in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Right? The first five books of the New Testament. We can see Jesus. My Bible has the things that Jesus said in red. I like that. You could spot it quickly. But that's how we learn the will of God, the nature of God. Jesus is that. And that word renew, I like it. It also means the renovation of. So God is inviting us to think differently than man, to think his thoughts after him. Let's read that same scripture, verse 1 and 2 in the message translation. This is good. This is where we live, right? So here's what I want you to do. God helping you, not hurting you. He helps you. He's for you, not against you. Okay? Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, (laughs) and place it before God as an offering. If you haven't given your whole self to him, you don't know how good he is. 
When you realize how good he is, without reservation, you will say, God, I'm all yours. I give my whole person to you. His love will absolutely destroy every fear in your life. So if you have some fears about that, and I get that. I was there at one point, and I still have to keep thinking on the word. If you have some fears about giving yourself to him, it's just simply because you don't know how good and pure he is. So place it before God, your whole life, your everyday life, as an offering, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. What did Jesus say in John 10.10? I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Embracing his will for your life, abundant life. No condemnation, joy, peace, righteousness, love is the best thing you can do for him. That's the best thing you can do for God is to believe in what he's already done. <laughs> I wish I could remember the number of the psalm. It may be a psalm of David, but he, he said, how will I repay the Lord? This, this is the gist of it. How will I repay the Lord for what he's done for me? I will drink the cup of salvation. I will partake of what he's provided of for me. That's the best thing you can do for God, to learn what he's done for you and believe it. Next one, verse 2. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Now, if you don't have a, a regular input of the word of God, that this will happen automatically. You'll just, you'll just start thinking like the world thinks, right? Because that's what, that's what your input is. So you need an input that's stronger in your mind than what's going on around you. That's why the Word of God is the only input that will really change us. Instead, um, fix your attention on God. That's why I encourage you to get a hard copy Bible. And like I said, I have, a bunch of, I have a bunch of versions on my laptop and, and on my phone, and that's great for reference sake. But when I want to have my time with the Lord and I really want to eat it up, man, I like this just because you can see so much more of the Word at a glance. And there's something about holding that hard copy and going over that and having to turn the pages and, and oh, what was that? Wait a minute, that was, no, that was Ephesians 2. And you get to know where thing is, things are and... It's just, it's transforming. Yes. So get a hard copy Bible and just start eating it. Make, make it a point. Every day I'm going to eat it. I'm going to just sit down. I'm going to open my physical Bible and I'm going to sit there and just meditate on it. It's just so transforming. So and what you're doing is you're fixing your attention. And sometimes when you're on a device, you know, it's hard to fix your attention on your Bible app because a notice pops up. You say, oh, what's so-and-so say? You hit that, and all of a sudden, you're back in Instagram or you're in your messages or you're, you're on Facebook or whatever, and for 10 minutes later, oh, wait, wait a minute, okay, and you get back to the Scripture. But see, no notifications come up with this one except in here by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit app on the inside. That's the only app that's triggered when I read this, Okay. So this is an excellent way to give your attention to God. If you just sit there and try and hum mm, and fix your attention on God, it's not going to work. A lot of what the, this uh, spiritual, remember, in the spirit realm, there are good and bad things. There are spiritists that will advise you to clear your mind. Don't do that because you can't. You don't want to clear your mind. You want to fill your mind with the goodness of God. You, the, the human mind was not made to be empty. Right, right. And that's a, that's a lie of the enemy. You're trying to clear it, and, and spirits are going to try and fill it. That's right. See, sp don't, don't take spiritual advice from anyone other than Christ. That's right. That's right. Those spiritists didn't make you. They might have a talk show, and they may be famous, and they might be handsome and talented, but they didn't create you. Right. Don't clear your mind. Renew your mind. Amen. Fill it with the promises of God. You try, you try and think of nothing. I don't care how long you practice it, you can't do. Because even if you're trying to think of nothing, you're, try, you're thinking of trying to think of nothing. Right? That's the way we're made. You don't want to think of nothing, you want to think of Him. 
You want your attention to be on him. It's attention on him that changed us, not attention on nothing. Right? You'll be changed when you do this. Fix your attention on God and you'll be changed. You can't stay the same when you give him your attention. You can't. You can't. It's impossible. Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize. I like that. What he wants from you. Can't do it if your attention is not fixed on him. Does he want good things from you or bad things? How do we know that? Just told we read as well as good, right? God doesn't want to hurt you. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of ignorance, immaturity, darkness. God, on the other hand, brings the best out of you. He develops well-formed maturity in you. So in the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about knowing God, being in relationship with Him. Today we're saying that when you're in a relationship with Him, you change. You're transformed from the inside out. But we said this last week that a huge part of being in a relationship with him is being able to recognize his voice. And, and I'll, I will say it again, it's just that we need to hear it because we don't hear it enough. When I say hearing God's voice, I don't mean audibly as you're listening to my voice now. There's a much better way to communicate. It's spirit-to-spirit communication. When God speaks to you, he, His Holy Spirit will speak to your spirit way down in the center of you. That's how He speaks. When we talk about hearing God's voice, that's what we're talking about. See, if you audibly hear something I say, you might hear it, but it can also get warbled, right? I might have an accent or I might say something I didn't mean to say or put an S on the end of something or put an R on the end of something as they do in Rhode Island, right? <laughs> Saw it. Or, or we, we said things funny in Pennsylvania. But there's a better way to communicate. It's actually the perfect way to communicate. It's spirit-to-spirit communication. Have you ever thought about the world, the, the, the industry of communication? It's huge, isn't it? Wireless communication. There was a time when this was impossible, right? That I could call someone with this flat thing in my pocket. Right? With no wires connected to it. What is man trying to get to? Spirit to spirit. They'll never get there. But they're trying to wireless. That's, there's something inside us. We, we know that wires are unnecessary. But in this natural world, we're using them. But there's a better way. There's a spirit to spirit communication. I forget what it was. I was in the kitchen, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. And something happened. I don't know, it, was, it was an evening we were watching a show or something. And we both of us... I knew what Jennifer was thinking, and she knew what I was thinking. I don't remember what it was. But we both said the same thing at the same moment with, like, perfect synchronization. We were like, bum, 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 bum. It wasn't a song. No, it was some kind of, I don't know what it was. And how does that happen? Well, we've been united, right? We know each other. Our spirits are joined, right? So when you're united with God, you, you know his voice. Another way to say knowing his voice is to recognize his leading in your life. That's what it said here in the message. Uh, readily recognize what he wants for you. How are you going to readily recognize the leading of the Spirit? You have to know his nature. Because there are other spirits trying to lead you. There are. That's why, I mean, most of the talk shows that are on are a waste of your time. Yes. They got talented, funny, attractive people on them, but the things they're saying are a waste of your time. They're giving you man's wisdom, other philosophies. The only words that will transform you are the words of Jesus because he's the way, the truth, and the life. This is not a political thing. This is not a, a, a social, uh, cultural, this is truth, okay? What did Jesus say in John 14, 6? I am the way 
and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So no matter where I am or what I'm hearing, I'm filtering it through Jesus. And sometimes, and that doesn't mean everything that I see or hear or read is, is, is a preacher or a Christian, but it, no matter what it is, I'm filtering it through Jesus. Does this line up with the person of Christ? Does this line up with the nature of Christ, not my own version of it, but as recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and X? Right? Does it line up with the red letters? Okay? Very important. So how do you recognize God's leading in your life? You need to know his nature. You cannot consistently and accurately recognize the Holy Spirit's leading in your life if you don't know how good he is. If you think he might hurt you, if you think he brought some tragedy into your life to teach you something, you, it's going to hinder your intimacy with him. It is. And I know those things are taught sometimes from pulpits and from churches, but they're not true. How can I get close to a God who, who destroyed someone that I love? Who, who took my child away to try and teach me something? I don't want to get close to a God like that. Why? Because that's not a good God. This is not blasphemous. This is truth. People have been told these things to try and help them cope, but it's not true. It sends them into this grief and, and this fog that they will never come out of unless they come to Jesus and start embracing his nature. Do you know grief is not for us? Now, our dog went to heaven a couple weeks ago, and we love our dog, Christmas. It was 10 years, and, and uh, I don't know if there's anyone more fun than, than she was. She just, you come on a home, and she'd leap up and down and just let's go, party time. And, and we were sad when it happened. And this, no, it's, it's not a person. Dogs are not people. I'm just using this as an example because it was recent. But it was sad, and still I come home. I'm waiting for those paws to hit the floor and come, you know, let's go, let's go, let's go. You know, and come downstairs waiting for, for her to, you know, lay on her belly and say, come on, rub my belly, rub my belly, you know. But that's sad. But at the same time, we don't allow grief to come in. Yeah. Excuse me. Grief is not for us. I am convinced that when I get to heaven, one of the first things I'm going to see is Christmas come running right at me. Why? Because she was a good dog. And what's God's will? Good. Who made dogs? They're going to be in heaven, right? Come on. We get so kind of cold and impersonal with God. He, he gave you your dog, right? I mean, she was a gift. She was a blessing to us. She wasn't a person. She was a dog. But still, it was a good thing. All good things are from him, right? And so I'm going to, I'm going to, she's going to be with me in my mansion in heaven. And come over and see her. I'll show her. You introduce her. But the same is true with a person. With a loved one. Because we have a different perspective. We don't, we don't uh, sorrow like the world sorrows. Because we understand some things they don't know. That this earth is a fallen world. That Satan is the God of this world. It's not our home. We're not clinging to it. We're here to fulfill our mission. And then we want to go home. Right? And that's where life uninterrupted is. Right? That's where nothing can hinder the will of God. In the earth, things hinder the will of God, right? Why Jesus taught his disciples, pray, your will be done on earth in Satan's territory just as it is in heaven because we need to enforce the will of God in our lives here, right? We're in enemy territory. God is good, so readily recognize it. So there are all kinds of voices trying to mislead you from what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do, trying to get you off of God's path for your life. Let's look at this a little bit. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we're just flowing with the Holy Spirit. You remember him, right? He's here. He's in us. Come on. 
Keep your mind fixed on him. Holy Spirit, he's ministering to you right now. He's encouraging you right now. You'll find, and this is a method that God set up, preaching and teaching, and it's good, but you'll find that there's something greater than what's coming out of my mouth right now. It's what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Okay? So I could be saying one thing, and it will minister to everybody in the room differently because the Holy Spirit can do that. There's something supernatural happening right now. All right? So this is what Paul, by the Holy Spirit, he writes this. He says, for such men are false apostles. So he's talking about uh, people who are spiritual in the wrong way. Right? There are good and bad things in the spirit realm. Right? So someone could be an apostle, a a prophet, a pastor, evangelist, and teacher, but they they could be fake. In other words, they're not going to lead you to Jesus. They're not going to help you know how good God is. They're not going to bring you into the abundant life that Christ came to give you. They're going to give you their own wisdom. False apostles. Deceitful. In other words, they have ulterior motives. Right? They're, They're trying to deceive you for their own gain. Masquerading as apostles of Christ. Look at the next verse. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. I've seen this over and over again in my life. People very talented, very good at what they do, uh, entertainment personalities, they look good, they sound good, but what's in them is darkness. And if you follow their, their advice, darkness is where, what you're going to get. God doesn't look at the external, the outside. He looks at the heart. Remember, no matter who you're listening to, does it line up with the person of Jesus as revealed in here? If it doesn't, drag it to the trash can. Okay, you don't have to say anything to that person. You let the Holy Spirit lead you. But inside, I'm just delete. Right? Okay, thanks. See you later. Right? So you'll hear, you'll hear things. So what did Jesus say again? I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. So we found the answer to every problem, haven't we? Jesus. Isn't that awesome? I like simple. I like simple. Is it Staples that has the easy button? I like that. I have a problem. Jesus is my answer. How about mental problems? Jesus is the answer. How about emotional issues? Jesus is the answer. What about relationship issues? Jesus is the answer. What about physical issues? Jesus is the answer. Yay! Hooray! He makes my life so simple. Doesn't the world complicate things? Well, you can't say that. You can't do this, but you got to think of that. And, but what about this? And what about what so-and-so said? What about what your parents did to you? And what about, and what about what, they did what? All of a sudden, you, you know, you got all this stuff going inside of you. You don't know what way to turn. Satan will complicate your life if you let him. If you'll listen to the wrong voices, you won't know who you are. Yeah, I've been there. It's it's a terrible way to live. But Jesus said, I'm the truth. So if someone comes along and says, there's a better way, we have a new truth now. You know, the the Jesus that was good for then, but we've advanced now, right? We've learned some things now. So there's a better way. Don't listen. Listen, we're used to technology, right? And it needs to change, right? I mean, this is one of the best phones out there, but still it's like, you know, there's some, like, why didn't they think of that? Why didn't they think of that? So we think that God's like technology. Like, I mean, come on, how, how old is God anyway, really? You know, I mean, he, he needs an update, doesn't he? No, he doesn't. Why? Because no one made him. He has no beginning. I mean, that alone, just what? But that's who he is. He's this, he's this I am. How do we know that? Jesus said it, didn't he? Before Abraham was, I am. 
So don't think, don't think that you need some kind of a new God or a new philosophy or, or that we've, we've evolved beyond Jesus. It's just not true. In fact, the opposite have happened. We've devolved away from the truth, right? We fell from the truth. We need to get back to the truth, right? The, the, the closer you get to him, the simpler your life will become and the more joy and peace and strength you'll have. Hallelujah. So Satan's trying to get you off of this simple path. He's trying to get you away from the leading of the Holy Spirit. But we study Jesus, the real, so we can recognize the fake, right? If I don't know what a real $20 bill looks like, I can be fooled. But if I study the details of it, and I don't have to take some classes or watch some videos online, because there's some fine little things they put into, into currency to prevent or to help recognize counterfeits, right? But if you'll study Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, and every other book, he's in the Bible in every book, you will begin to recognize fake stuff. Yeah. Don't study fake stuff, study Jesus. Yeah. And you'll recognize the fake stuff. Yeah. So we study the real in our relationship with God. Because knowing Him, it, it, studying the real transforms us. In fact, when you become sure of God's nature, the fake stuff becomes blatantly obvious. That's good. That's good. It's like, oh, I, I, you don't have to think, I know that's not God. You know, and spirits will say things to you. Yeah. They will. They'll talk to you about yourself. Well, you're, you know, you're a little different, and <laughs> you've been through this, and no one really understands that because they haven't been through what you've been through. And you know, and and so you're just going to have to go this way because people don't understand you, and people have hurt you, and and they just can't relate. It's it's complicated. Look at. And if you let them take you down that path, you'll just isolate yourself. And you'll never get out of that trap until you come to Christ. You have to you'll be able to recognize his thoughts to you. He's trying to talk you out of who you really are. He's trying to talk you out of who you are made to be. If you study Jesus, you'll see that. Look at Romans chapter 8. So recognizing the leading of the Holy Spirit is evidence of relationship with him. Now, Paul, we've been reading stuff that's written to believers. So just because you're a believer doesn't mean you recognize the leading of the Holy Spirit. This is not a pill we take. And it happens automatically. It's a relationship. We have to engage our will with Christ. We have to actively seek and pursue him. Fix our attention on him or it's not going to happen. We're not robots. We're not technology. We're not machines. So none of this is automatic. It's a decision we have to daily make, right? For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Isn't that good? It's your inheritance to be led by his Spirit. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery. Let's put that next verse up there. Yeah, where's slavery from? Satan, right? That's his spirit. He wants to lead you. He'll lead you into it if you let him. Some kind of bondage somehow. To fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. That's an affectionate word for Father. We have this affectionate, loving relationship with God as our daddy. Right? Satan doesn't want you to experience that. Now, we're saying, there's a lot of stuff rolling around inside here. Okay, Holy Ghost. Well, let's go to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. Where's Satan trying to do? He's trying to get you away from this. Okay, this is in the Amplified, Ephesians 2.10. He's trying to get you off of the path that God's prepared for you. To, trying to keep you from receiving the provision God's already provided for you. Mm -hmm. Ephesians 2.10. How are we still awake? Yes. Okay, good. Verse 10. For we, 
Now, again, who's this written to? Believers in Ephesus. Right? So all, everything we're reading is written to believers. For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship. Look at that word, recreated. That's a transformation, isn't it? Relationship with God transforms you. Recreated in Christ Jesus. Born anew or born again. That we may do those, what kind of works? Good works. The will of God is good. Sickness is bad. Is sickness the will of God? Because it's bad, right? To do those good works. Healing is a good work, isn't it? Which God predestined. Don't, don't blow up this word into something untouchable. It just means plan beforehand, Okay. God didn't make robots and push go. But he did plan beforehand for us paths, paths, which he prepared ahead of time. That we should walk in them, living the what kind of life? God's will for us is good. What kind of works does he have for us? The path and the life he has for us is good. Yeah, is sickness on that path? No, why? Because God is good, right? Isn't this simple? Living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Have you ever had company coming over and you really just do everything you can to, to make the house look good? That's one of the advantages of hosting a get-together, by the way, is you clean your house every week, right? That's good. <laughs> So when they start in September, if you want to host one, it's a good thing. Yeah. But when you love someone, when you, want to, when you want to bless someone, you prepare for them, right? Before they even come over. God prepared for you before you were knit together in your mother's womb. See? He made preparation for you. But we see it's not automatically experienced, Right? We have to renew our mind. We have to fix our attention on him. We have to choose to follow him. That doesn't mean you can't make mistakes. His grace is covering us. Right? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God's not saying, don't ever make a mistake or this is all canceled. My goodness, then we'd all be done, wouldn't we? Right? We have freedom to follow him and not be focused on ourselves or or, or mistakes that we've made, but focused on who he is, what he's done for us, and who we are in him. Hebrews chapter 10, we talked about it in communion earlier, said that Jesus did what he did so that those, uh, those who believe would, would no longer have consciousness of sin. So when you put your faith in Christ, God wants to take you from sin consciousness to righteousness consciousness where we live our lives conscious, not of sin, but of the righteousness we've been given. Religion fosters sin consciousness, which fosters more sin. Okay? Jesus fosters righteousness consciousness, which gives you victory over sin, which makes you strong to say no to temptation. It's a good feeling when the stuff that used to drag you down can't touch you anymore. That's where God wants you to be. That's what God's provided for you. Now, what is it? I want to talk about these two. We're talking about transformation, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew. How can you be recreated? How can you be born a second time? Now, these people, that, these are believers. They were already born again. So that was the first transformation. So when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, your spirit is made new instantly. You, that's the, the, the ultimate transformation. However, your mind is not made new and your body's not made new. If you want to experience the new you, you have to change the way you think and begin thinking like Jesus thinks. Okay? So you can be a believer and there will be no difference between you and someone who's living in darkness. You can be doing the same things in the same bondages. There will be no difference if your mind isn't renewed to the nature of Jesus with the Word of God. 
And this is important to talk about because we're given this idea that everything about God is automatic, that everything that happens is God's will. Nothing could be further from the truth. God's will is not automatic because he's not a robot and he didn't make us robots. He made us in his image. We're free will creatures. We can say and do and believe whatever we want, whether it's good or bad. It's important to understand that. If I want the will of God, I've got to know the person of God. I've got to be in relationship with the person of God. And who is that? Jesus, right? If I'm not in relationship with the person of God, I'm not going to consistently experience the, the, the will of God. Right? This is, this is arithmetic, isn't it? And that's, that's all it is. It's simple. It's simple logic. If I want to experience the abundant life Jesus came to give me, I've got to come to Jesus. Right? Because no one else has it for me. You see how this is not a religion? It's not a political thing? Just put all that stuff aside. Let's focus on the one who made you. So Jesus, going back now, let's go back to John before people were born again. Book of John. No one could be born again until Jesus rose from the dead, right? He was the firstborn. Now there have been many others. But this is before anyone could be born again. This is John chapter 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. These guys were experts in the scriptures, but they didn't know, they didn't know Jesus. They didn't know God, right? They didn't know the love of God, the nature of God. Verse 2, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man, so why are you coming to him at night then? <laughs> Something's up here, isn't it? Imagine yourself, it's nighttime and this Pharisee comes and says, oh, we, we know you're a teacher come from God. For, for no one can do the things you do except God be with them. Okay? For no man can do these miracles. When you know him, you won't be ashamed of him. Amen. Day or night, you'll boldly talk to him. You'll rejoice in him. You'll, you'll trust him. You'll speak his word over your life. If you have to do something in the dark, it's not right. There you go. Now, this is kind of funny about me. I don't remember how old I was. I think I was about 10 and again, my family was a mess. I had so much pain inside and stuff going on in the home and just saw mom and dad tearing each other apart. And, and I just didn't want to be in my house. So I'd, I'd just leave and go for walks. And I was walking one day behind a, a plaza in a department store. And next to a dumpster was this book laying on the ground. So I walked over and had a picture of a girl on the front. It was drawn, black and white, I remember it. And I picked it up. It was a pornographic novel. I didn't know what that word was, but I knew something dark about it. I didn't, I didn't know this terminology, but here's this garbage dumpster and this book laying beside it, and I picked it up, and I, I just knew there wasn't, this wasn't good. I didn't know any scriptures. My dad and mom never talked to me about any pornography. I didn't know what that was, or I didn't know that term, I should say. I didn't, pornography, don't know what you mean. In fact, there were movies that my very rarely, my dad wasn't home a lot, but if there are some times, I remember watching movies that were, that were not appropriate for anyone to see at any age, right? So I pick up this book that was physically dirty and spiritually dirty, and I just started reading through it, and I grabbed it, and I took it home. I hid it from my parents. No one told me it was wrong. I just knew. It was, isn't that funny? But we know. I heard this said, and I don't remember who it was, but I thought it was a good illustration, that when we're born, we all have a conscience, right? And the illustration I like is they say it's like your conscience, to get the idea, is like a triangle with three sharp points on it. And then when, you, when you're going to do something wrong, it will spin and it'll prick your heart. But if you deny that, it'll keep spinning. And the more you resist your conscience, the duller those points become. So instead of being sharp points that prick you when you do something wrong, it's just kind of like a subtle little nudge now. After a while, you don't even hear it anymore. 
So I took that home and I hid it in my desk drawer underneath my Superman comic books. And then when it was darker, I knew I was alone, I'd get it out and I'd read it. See? So Nicodemus is coming to him in the dark. There's something wrong here. If you have to do it in secret and in the dark, something's wrong. God wants to transform you so you can live in the light. So you can live openly and freely and never have to be ashamed again. So Jesus, and he doesn't really even give a head nod to what he's talking about. He, he sees through this fake stuff, right? This patronization. And Jesus says to him, truly, truly, or verily, verily, let's put that one up there. That's what verily, verily means. Truly, truly, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now we're getting to the real stuff, not this, you know, I, I know you've come from God. I'm just, wow, you're really something. <laughs> Jesus said, you must be born again. What? <laughs> Jesus is not too crazy about fluff and flattery. He wants real love in your life. Watch out for people who flatter you. Flattery is an opportunity to be misled. I'm not talking about encouraging someone. There's true encouragement and building someone up and encouraging them. But flattery is fluffy. You know, you know the difference? You just know it's just fake. Right? So, now look what he said. Except a man be born again. That's the first tilt. But look at this. He says he cannot see the kingdom of God. And I want to draw your attention to that word see. The word see, if you look it up in Strong's Concordance, it literally means to perceive. We're talking about recognizing the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life, right? He cannot perceive the kingdom of God. He cannot recognize. He cannot understand. He cannot stare at is one definition. How about that? He cannot discern clearly, physically or mentally, the kingdom of God. He cannot experience the kingdom of God. Wow. This is a, a life changer, right? Except a man be born again, he cannot experience the kingdom of God. He can't taste it. He can't experience it. He can't understand it. He can't recognize it. He can't discern it. He can't enjoy it. He can't walk in it. And didn't Jesus say the kingdom of God is at hand? So it's here. But you can't taste, you can't experience it until you're born again. Okay. Now, let's keep reading. Nicodemus said unto him, what are you talking about, Willis? <laughs> How can a man be born? All right, uh, free muffin to anyone who can tell me what, that, what show that, that quote is from. What are you talking about, Willis? Oh, awesome. Do we have muffins here today? She, she gets a free one. So. Demonstrate you got it, yeah. <laughs> How can a man be born when he's old? Can, can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Of course not. What's Jesus talking about? The spirit, right? Nicodemus can't understand that. He's in the dark, literally and spiritually. Jesus answered, said, Verily, verily, again, truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. What is, what is he talking about, water and the Spirit? Not H2O. You can pour water on someone all day. It's not going to change them. All right? He's talking about the Word of God. In Ephesians, it says, Husband, love your wives as Christ loves the church and washes her, cleanses her by the water of the Word. Okay? So he's saying, who is born of the Word of God and the Spirit of God cannot enter, come into, experience the will of God, the kingdom of God. Isn't that good? That, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. So when we start spending time with Jesus, our eyes are open to this whole new dimension of life. 
It's being born again. Now, going back to my childhood, we, we lived with my grandparents for a while, and that was interesting. Uh, still some, some interesting things that went on there. But anyway, we had a neighbor next door, and she had her grandkids come and visit sometimes during the summer. And we called them holy rollers. And this little girl, she might have been seven years old, walk around saying, Jesus loves me, this I know. And we would laugh at that. We would insult her. We would slant. We would just tear her up with our words. And they would talk about being born again. And we thought, they are, they're, people are crazy. They're idiots. They're nuts. And we'd swear and say some other things I can't say here. This term born again, when you understand it, you won't want to go another day without being born again. This is not a man-made religion. This is not something man can. Jesus said you must be born again. How are we born again? We put our faith in Christ. We believe that Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. We believe that he rose from the dead for us. And we open up our mouth. We say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. If you do that and you're sincere, at that very moment, the Holy Spirit will enter your spirit, will join with your spirit, and make your dead spirit alive. Will make your old spirit new. That's what Jesus was talking about. Everybody needs that. Okay? Everybody needs that. 1 Peter 1.23 said this, that being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. Right? Which liveth in a body. So we're born when we take Jesus at his word. We put our faith in Christ. Jesus is the word of God. Right? John 1.1. 1, 1. Our spirits are made new. Now, once you're born again, your old nature dies. Your spirit is no longer bound by sin. Now, people can fight me on this one, but it's true anyway. Your spirit is made new. Literally, your nature is now changed. You used to be a sinner. You're, and you know, people, we're sinners because we're born in sin, not because we sin. All right? Every, every human being born after the fall of Adam was born under the curse of sin. That's why we were sinners. Not because we sinned. We sinned because we had the nature of sin in us. This will help you tremendously. When you put your faith in Christ, your nature is changed. Your spirit, I'm talking about. Your flesh and your mind haven't, but your spirit has. Okay? So once I give myself to Jesus and I'm born again, now I want to change the way I think so that my mind and my body will stay under the authority of my spirit. That's how you are made to live, with your spirit controlling you. Not your emotions, not your physical body, but your spirit. That's how man was made. When man fell, he fell from being spirit controlled to being flesh controlled. And that's, that's, a, that's death. So once you're born again, now you want to learn to walk in the spirit. Okay? And how do we do that? Relationship with Jesus. Right? We study him. We take him at his word. We said last week, we go through the Bible, we study Jesus and the promises of God. We learn Jesus and the promises of God. We're feeding on those things regularly, and we're changed. Boy, there's a couple more things I wanted to grab. Let's just do this. I think we need to do this, and we're done. Okay? You okay with that? Yeah. All right. I want, they're, they're, I want you to be strong this week, stronger than when you came in. Okay, we won't read this scripture. We're going to go to Galatians. But Jesus said this. He talked about the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit will reveal Christ to you. When the Holy Spirit is leading you, he will always, without exception, lead you to Jesus. Without exception. 
He's never led anyone anywhere else. Okay, it's important to know that. Remember, Satan comes as an angel of light. Every cult got started because an angel of light appeared to them. Right? The angel Moroni, if you know that story and that cult, appeared to a man in a cave and, and, and showed him these golden tablets that were something in addition to what Jesus said. See, Satan's always got an addition to what Jesus said or an alteration or some new truth, right? Remember, God is not, he's not a beta version. He's not 2.0. He is I am. He's perfect, always has been, always will be. So Jesus said the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. He'll take what is mine and make it known to you. That's John 16, 13 15, through 15. Now let's go to Galatians chapter 5. So when you're following the leading of the Holy Spirit, these things will increase in your life. Love, not fake stuff, not Hollywood stuff, not lust. Love. If you want to know what love is, read 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. Great description, great definition of love. Describes the behavior and content of love. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. So these things, the fruit of the Spirit, that's your recreated spirit. This English translation capitalized that. But really, it's the fruit of your recreated. God doesn't bear fruit. Did you know that? Why? Because he's the vine, we're the branches. Where does fruit grow? On the branches. Right? He supplies the nutrients for the fruit. So this is talking about your recreated spirit. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Next slide. Gentleness, gentleness, and self-control. Who would not want these things? This is what everyone's after. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Yeah, I want lots of that in my life. Right? Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't drink a glass of lemonade on a hot summer day? Right? Against such things, there's no law. So when you're in relationship with the real Jesus, these things will grow in you and increase in your life regularly. Love, joy. Let's say those together. Put those back up there. Let's say, what's, gonna, what's increasing in our lives? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Right? And boy, do we need them. I need more and more and more of them. I'm a very different person than I was a year ago. I'm so glad, but I tell you, I I want more. I need more changing. See, God is the only one that doesn't need to change. But we need to be regularly transformed. Now, if you're not in a relationship with God, or if you just, you know, put your faith in Christ and you were born again, but you haven't changed your thinking, here's the things you're going to see in your life. Go ahead and put up verse uh, 19 up there. Yeah, the flesh. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality. These are the things that will start coming up in your life. Impurity. Debauchery. Am I saying that word right? Is it debauchery or debauchery? Okay. Okay, next. Idolatry. And witchcraft. Wow. Right? Spiritus, right? Fortune telling. What do they call those things? Your, your signs, your um, horoscopes. Yeah. These are the things you'll start looking to when you're not in a vibrant relationship with Jesus. Hatred. Discord. Jealousy. Fits of rage. Selfish ambition. Dissensions. Factions. Verse 21. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit, will not experience the will of God for their lives. They will not discern the leading of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Verse 22, 
Oh, we already read that. Already read that. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, right? So, yeah, I basically said, which one do I want? <laughs> you know, do I want love, joy, peace, patience, God is good, or do I want this other stuff? Obviously, we all want love, right? So we're in relationship with God. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, you've been born again. But the transformation that, that's going to take place now is in your mind and your body. Where you're going to think differently. You're going to fill your mind and heart with the nature of God, with the promises of God. And your, your mind's going to change, and the way your body acts is going to change. Our behavior changes when we're in a relationship with Jesus. We start acting like he acted. Isn't that great? Father, thank you for this time in your word. Lord, what a treat this is. What a privilege this is to be able to leave our homes and to come to this public place and gather together, lift up our voices and worship you, to let your Holy Spirit strengthen and encourage us, and to hear the ministry of your word and allow it to transform us. Thank you. Lord, your love is just off of the charts. And we receive your love for us. And we, we just revel in it. We, we saturate ourselves with your nature, with your goodness and your love for us. And we ask you, Father, to make us, help us to be sensitive to your nature, to the leading of your spirit in our lives. That love and joy and peace and all of the good things that you are would grow regularly in us. That a harvest of love would abound every day in our lives. Help us to recognize the fake stuff and to eat you, to choose you. To not listen to the wrong voices, but to listen to your son. In Jesus' name. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life he came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.